0: Hey Shannon, I have been doing a lot of chatting with my kids about metacognition lately. How do you talk to your students about how they learn? This is the Reading Teacher's Lounge where listeners can eavesdrop on professional conversations between elementary reading teachers. We're passionate about literacy and strive to find strategies to reach all learners. Shannon and Mary are neighbors who realized that they were literacy soul sisters at a dinner in their Atlanta neighborhood. Once they started chatting about reading, they haven't really stopped. Come join the conversation. This is episode 18, Mindfulness About Learning.
1: Welcome to the Reading Teacher's Lounge. Hi, I'm Shannon Betts, and I've been teaching for over 16 years. My specialty is locating the missing pieces in students' reading development and choosing just right activities to fill those gaps. You can find me online at readingdevelopment.com and at RDNG Development on Twitter and Instagram.
0: Hey, I'm Mary Sagoffi. I'm a reading tutor, and I've taught in all elementary grades. I have Orton-Gillingham training, and I've been helping students with reading issues and dyslexia for 10 years. I love talking all things teaching. I believe that humor goes a long way when asking students and and parents and teachers to do hard things. I'm excited to share with Shannon and learn along with all of you.
1: So tonight we're going to be talking about metacognition, and metacognition is a big word, but it actually um, is pretty simple to understand, and you're probably already doing it, but you just didn't know. You might not necessarily remember the term for it, but um, my working definition for metacognition is thinking about thinking mm-hmm. or having being mindful about your thoughts or your learning.
0: Yeah, perfect. Yeah, that's what I like to think about it, too, mindfulness about your own learning and Being able to, if you have those skills, then you're able to kind of self-advocate and recognize what your strengths are. Um, And not only that, recognize what your weaknesses are and go back and self-correct more independently. So it's building on all of those big skills.
1: Um, when you work on metacognition, it can help us study habits, work habits, and it also has relevance to reading because students um, can be more self-aware of their comprehension, and if they're understanding a story or not, they can be aware of their fluency, and they can also be aware of miscues.
0: Right. I I actually came to understand the term mindfulness when I was learning about executive functioning with some of my students, and so executive functioning is another like kind of very broad term, and it's really how you get stuff done. How do you like make your life work and execute and do all the things that you're supposed to do. So what, if we go back to executive functioning, it's being able to plan and organize and have time management and flexibility, um, task initiation, and then, um, pay attention to details, kind of persevere through, and then also have metacognition. And so metacognition is thinking about your thinking and just, being very self-aware, mindful about how your brain processes information uniquely um, and how you can then correct those errors. And some
1: students have more innate executive functioning and it becomes easier for them. And some students have more innate built-in metacognition and then others, we need to do things to make them more aware, to build that awareness and to build those executive functioning skills.
0: Nobody is going to get hurt if you're being explicit in teaching them about how they learn. So for metacognition, I have um, a really great resource from Pathways um, to Success. And um, we'll link to that in the show notes. Well, I'm happy to. And it's all it's executive functioning task cards, um, which is where I'm getting my information. It's really lovely. So when I am chatting with my students, um, specifically for tut- tutoring, I find that this works really well one on one. But it could also really work in a large group setting um, if you were to. Uh, use this as a resource. I'm gonna give you a few examples, but I do encourage you to check out the resource and check out other information that would give you lots of ideas about how to talk to your students about metacognition. So the first part is um, you want to evaluate your performance as you're going along. Um, And this is, you know, we can relate this to reading, we can relate it to math, science, social studies. You wanna constantly evaluate and think back to yourself um, you know, how am I doing with this? And so one of the ways that you might do that is, um, you know, oh, I just took a quiz or a test and I, I need to rate and rate myself and see how I feel. On a scale of 1 to 10, how do I feel about my performance on that test? Was it a 7? Should I have maybe studied a little more? Can I predict what my grade is going to be? Um, Sometimes kids need to actually be explicitly reminded that they should be thinking about those things and that um, good students do think about those things and then reflect on it later for the next project. And they become more engaged students that way. Right. Um, The other one, and Shannon and I were speaking about this before we tuned in because it's checking your work before turning it in. It's such an important skill that. So many kids want to just rush through and just quickly be done, especially a lot of the friends that I work with. You know, they're working so hard just to complete the task, and they do it, and even turning it in can be really
1: challenging. Yeah, so uh, you want me to share the story about my sure, students? Yeah. So one of my um, higher students in my class, he is pretty dramatic. I can read his body language um, Easily, and sometimes he turns work in and he's got a huge smile on his face, and he knows he got that math problem right. And then, other times, sometimes with writing, he hands it in and it's like this dramatic shrugging of the shoulders and handing it to me, sort of on a platter with his hands open. He's like, Did I do this okay? Is it right? <laughs> and um it's become so obvious, like at all the classes noticing it. And so, one day, I paused in the middle of him doing that and sort of freeze frame, mm-hmm. stay there. And I brought the class to attention to to use him as a teachable moment. And I said, you guys just, just look at his body language. Look at what, how he's standing and look at the expression on his face. Does he look sure? Mm-hmm. Does he look sure of his work? Does he look sure of his answers, does he feel like he's gotten it Right. And the whole class was like, no, no, he, he no, that's not, a good that's example. like the, um, the sure and unsure commercials from like the eighties or whatever. Um, so then I, you know, another time I paused him and showed them when he was really excited and Oh, I got that answer. I know it. And I said, okay, does he look sure now? And they said, Oh yeah, yeah. You can, you know he's sure he's got this big smile on his face and his you know his shoulders are down and he's kind of giving thumbs up and so then um i kind of paused and we all had like a reflective moment and i said okay i want you to think about what does your body tell you when you are sure and you know that you have the answer right how does that feel in your stomach and in your heart and in your head and where are your shoulders where's your back you know um How's your face look? You know, is it scrunched up or is it, you know, open and smiling? And then I said, and when it, when you're unsure and you don't know if it's either, you know, it's wrong or you aren't sure if it's right or wrong. What is your body telling you? How does it feel? And to start to pay attention to that. Mm -hmm. So we had a really big class meeting about that. And then now I've been referencing it, um, a little bit in little conferences throughout the you know, as the weeks have gone on of just, okay,
0: evaluating your performance. uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're about
1: to turn in this work. How do you feel about it? And lately the students have been saying, you know what, can I have my math test back? I want to go back through the answers a couple more times. And that's pretty good for second graders because I'm building their metacognition. I don't know if there's like a scale of, you know, how, how <laughs> metacognitive they are, but they're, they're getting higher on that scale where they're more aware of things.
0: It's amazing how the year progresses too. And, and when you are explicit in those directions that you start to notice their maturity level and they're proud of it and they call attention to it more, which I, I think is like, that part is really impressive. Well, that's like the
1: highest level of sexonomy. I mean, yeah. when they're able to analyze.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, definitely being self-aware of their behaviors, their performance, and and even of their own feelings about it. Those are all part of metacognition. Um, Another piece is identifying what you need to be successful and also um, understanding how your behavior and your actions impact others. And um, for sometimes for students that I'm working with who have ADHD or um, maybe on the autistic spectrum uh maybe even have dyslexia or another high functioning learning disability. Um, being really specific about how they can identify their feelings, how they can talk about that, um, and, and also how their actions sometimes impact others, those are not always skills that they that come naturally. So when you have students in your classroom, which you will who have struggles like this, it benefits everyone in the classroom to talk about it and it will definitely make your classroom management so much stronger. I think that that's one of the things that more skilled and experienced teachers are able to do more readily. I know in the beginning when I first started teaching I didn't know what to expect of my students and as an adult when I reflect on my behavior things come so intuitively that you don't think about all these small steps that
1: you really need to, to teach explicitly. Um, well, because it's not really in the curriculum. It's not in the curriculum. And so these right. these things happen in teachable moments and in the way we manage our class and the way we frame our class. And I call it like the learning that happens between the lessons because, you know, me teaching the students about how their body feels when they know the answer is right or wrong is nowhere in the second grade standards, right. but it is something that we're learning together as a class community, and that I want them to develop right. as the year goes on.
0: Well, I, I was thinking too, like back to my early um, years in teaching, and I, I really wanted to teach these skills, but I didn't really know how to go about doing it, and it's kind of messy work, because everybody's brain sort of works a different way, and you know, I would say things to my students like, Okay, I'm gonna give you an extra minute to look over your work. Well, the five boys I had who all had a diagnosis of ADHD and dyslexia had no intention of going back and doing their work again. It was like, what do you mean? I'm I'm done with it. It's it's done. I'm I'm turning it in. They picked up the paper and glanced
1: at it for a second and then said, I'm done.
0: And it's a really it's it's not that they're doing that, um, you know, to get a poor grade but literally it feels very black and white like okay I've checked that box I'm done why would it be important for me to do this or I don't know if I can persevere through and look back and check and see if I have those mistakes because I've already given all of my effort into doing the work in the first place and not only that when you do self reflect sometimes that criticism can be really harsh on yourself I know for me even as an adult I'll be you draft an email, and you redraft it, and you draft it again, and you try and think. And, and no matter what, your message may get skewed in an email form. We all know that. So as an adult, you have these same exact feelings. They're just on a different scale. And so I think that um, I just want we want to remind teachers that um, not only should you address this in reading, and we're going to cover that a little bit more too, but also... In classroom
1: in general if you can master this like if a student says to me you know I need more quiet so that I can concentrate is is that showing some metacognition because they're aware Definitely. of the environment that they need to learn
0: oh yeah absolutely and I would say that that's a really great self-advocacy skill these all go like hand in hand and mm-hmm. these are the things that we want our kids to be able to do all of these executive functioning skills are how do they manage and get through their day their life getting all of the stuff that they need to get done done and everybody has a different degree of skill in that and you're not always strong in every single area but when you are able to get stuff done the world really values you
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and so we want to make sure that our, our students are valued by the world. In whatever capacity they can, you just have to teach it.
1: And This is preparing them for their future, whatever their future looks like, and that goes beyond just the standards. And so we're, that we teach. we're kind
0: of speaking in the school's um, house right now, but at the same time, this is what parents teach their kids all the time: it's time management, it's making sure that they are aware. Does that... your
1: room look clean? Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm sure we can all. And sometimes a friend might need a picture of their room clean and say, does that picture match what your room looks like now? And sometimes that helps. Hey, a visual never hurts. Right. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. Because like, then they're evaluating their performance of Well, let's their keep room. it more
0: concrete because I know that you, when you came to Metacognition, you, you started teaching it in your reading, right? Yes, it was
1: with comprehension. Um, discovered the gem of the book, Strategies That Work, by mm-hmm. Steph Harvey and Ann Goodvis. I hope I'm saying your name right. Um, I think my first or second year teaching, and it's all about comprehension strategies. And it's been re-released a number of times. Actually, I met them at a conference two years ago, and I completely fangirled. Aww. <laughs> because I was like, oh, your book has influence every lesson that I've taught basically since I bought your book. But they, um, it's just, it it starts off deceptively simple because it's just using sticky notes to have students Mm -hmm. um, jot down their thinking when they read. And they were each is organized by different kinds of thinking, like predicting or asking questions or making inferences or whatnot. And you code the sticky note with different um, types of thoughts that you're having but woven into that the the very act of making of having of training students to stop and think and to be aware of the kind of thinking they're doing and what thoughts bubble to the surface in their reading thinking voice mm-hmm. builds so much metacognition that will actually transfer to other subjects is what I found. And so one of the things, one of the types of sticky notes you can do is the, the uh, huh one, you know, H-U-H question mark. And uh-huh. You can, you know, that if you've fun. read a new, you know, maybe it's a new nonfiction book and it's got a lot of vocabulary that you've never heard of, then you'd put that sticky note on that page. And that's a signal to yourself that I need to read more. I need to learn more. I need to go back and reread.
0: Um, I need to check a dictionary Right.
1: I need to or even if you are just sort of looking at the words on a page but you've maybe read the page two or three times and you don't actually remember what you weren't in the flow of the story that would get that sticky note as well and you're aware that you're actually not comprehending mm-hmm. and so um, there are other little sticky uh, little codes you can do like an exclamation point or an aha or oh I have this question here uh, what does this mean I don't know all of that um, helps the students build their metacognition awareness.
0: That's perfect. And yeah.
1: then I transferred from doing it in comprehension. I still do it in comprehension, but also in fluency. Uh-huh.
0: Um,
1: having the students evaluate my own fluency by giving, you know, bad examples of um, reading too fast or reading too slow or not using the right phrasing, and then um, modeling good examples of fluency and having the students evaluate and then starting to transfer that to um, evaluating themselves and with a self, you know, self-assessment rubrics and things like that and correcting themselves and saying, Oh, I should read that sentence in a better way. That didn't sound quite right. And then also even in decoding, um, my lowest reading group, when they were on level C just a few months ago, I started, um, A to Z dictionaries, very simple, just loose leaf, A, B, C, D, all the way to Z, in a binder, and I said, okay, I want y'all to, after we read the book, I want you to pay attention to what words you struggled with Mm -hmm. in this, what did we have to sound out, what words had you never heard before, if they're English language learners, what words did we um, figure out and put in our brains this time, and they would do one or two or three words from the book, and they would write the word on the correct page in the dictionary, And then also the sentence um, from the context of the book so that if they forgot what the word was, they could go back and they kind of pick it up as soon as they read that sentence again. And at first, like the first week I was doing that, they were a little reluctant to do it, but now they love it, absolutely love it. And now they'll come up to me during independent reading and say, I need to put, can I have my binder? I need to put this word in my binder. This was a new word for me. This was a word that I had to practice. This was a word I had to sound out. And their A to Z pages, I mean, we've had to add, you know, extra pages to T and S because there are so many words with that. And so to me, that's building metacognition even at the lowest reading level because they are more aware. And so now those students are also coming up to me and saying they're asking more questions in class. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, I don't understand the directions. Can you explain it again? Or this part's tricky for me. Or they'll talk about it with phonics. Oh, these sounds these, these sounds sound the same to me. Right. You know, these vowel sounds, how are they different? And so it's just the more we can get them kind of being mindful and sort of being above their brain but inside their brain at the same time.
0: Yeah. That's a that's a really good way of um, explaining it too. Like above their brain, but
1: also inside. Like an outer body experience, a little bit out of brain.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think that you know, if you are a parent of a child who's a little bit younger, and you're thinking, okay, how can I model this? So much of it is thinking out loud for them, and really, um, you know, even when I'm cooking, I am talking to my daughter about. Okay, did I get you know? It just my my thought like stream of consciousness is sometimes really helpful. Like, okay, I have the ingredients. Did I check my list? Sometimes I forget to get things out of the refrigerator. I better go check again. And it's simple. And you, I mean, it's not like constant conversation in right. my house. Like, it's not a constant narration. But um, I do find that to be helpful. And the other time that it's really helpful is when you're doing a read aloud or reading books with your, yes. your children um, you in the classroom or at home or any time. Oh, I'm, you know, you, you can relate back to background knowledge. Oh, I'm remembering that one time when we went to the beach, and this reminds me of that seashell that we found. And, um, you know, do you remember that? Can you tell me something that you remember from that time,
1: relating it right to the story? Or, oh, I noticed the characters, you know, getting mad now. Look at what they're saying. And... I I don't know if this is good teaching practice or not, but this is what I do. Sometimes I read books to students that I have not read before. Yeah. I mean, obviously I flip through it and make sure there's nothing inappropriate in it. Right, right,
0: right. But
1: I I find that I'm pretty self aware and have a lot of metacognition myself. And so my thinking voice is pretty loud when I'm reading. Yes. And so I want to model an authentic, fresh reading for oh. the students, and so I'll read or read aloud. And you know, I get excited at the same time the students are because I'm figuring out the we st- we're all figuring out the story in real time together. I rather than it. a you know, a sort of rehearsed kind of
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Read um, aloud. Yeah, that's a really good point because it's true that authentic voice is so powerful, especially in the classroom, especially if it's a book that you haven't read yet, and you know, you can model how students inner reading voice should sound and that's really what we're teaching them in this um Uh, You know, instance. So these are some of the strategies um, that have kind of worked. Are there any other things that, I don't know, I'm trying to think, I can't think of any more. Maybe we should open it up to our listeners.
1: Yeah, we'd love to hear from you guys on email and in social media. We'll post the question on Instagram and we'd love to hear more from you guys about how you build that awareness and mindfulness about their own learning. And Just in the middle of the day, sometimes in reading groups, sometimes, you know, when you're having conferences with your students and sometimes it's not always pretty. Um, I'm experienced with it more in reading than in math. And today I was doing a math vocabulary lesson. And rather than just having the students define every vocabulary word or copy the anchor chart, I was asking them to only record in their interactive notebooks the words that they knew were new to them. Okay, have you heard of parallelogram before? Okay, then you need to write that one down if you are just learning that word today. And it wasn't the prettiest math lesson I've ever done in my whole career. It was a little bit messy because the students were not as familiar with checking in with themselves and seeing, oh, did I know this, yes or no? Should I write this, yes or no? But I'll keep trying at it even though it wasn't the prettiest lesson. Um, I want to build metacognition. I Mm -hmm. want them to leave my room being totally engaged in their learning, being aware of what they know and don't know, having, um, you know, goal setting where they want to, you know, always set goals for themselves and reach goals and having that growth mindset. And we do that through all these little moments of building and encouraging this awareness. Uh,
0: Definitely. I. I like the fact that both of us have like talked about challenges with metacognition because as an adult, you're constantly having self doubt and all of these things are flowing through your mind as well. Um, but as a younger person, their brain has not developed all the executive functioning skills and they really won't develop that until they're in their twenties. And so, um, this is the time to build on it and model and model with mistakes because modeling with mistakes gets kids to pay attention to those things. So, you know, even if it doesn't go well one day, circle on back and be reflective. And, um, you know, it is important. And not only can you do this in your reading class with curriculum, but you can also do it, you know, just sort of on the fly or if you get a, a teachable moment, make sure that this is an opportunity that Um, You don't leave behind in your classroom. Thank you guys for checking in today with the Reading Teachers Lounge. We love all of our listeners. Um, We have a new listener, Susan. Um, She's a kindergarten teacher, and she listens to us on her walks. Thank you for the review, and thank you for listening. We would love to hear back from you and um, any other listeners. We'd love to get some feedback as well.
1: Thank you for the ones who have left us reviews. Thank you for the kinder teacher who left us a nice review on iTunes, and that helps other teachers find us on the search. So if you get a free moment and have a chance to write a review on whatever podcast app you're listening from, that would really help us out and help other listeners find us.
0: Thank you to um, Jordan Kemker for providing the original music and also to um, Allison Zane from Fruit Creative for the artwork. Um, Make sure that you can check us out. You check us out on our webpage, www.readingteacherslounge.com.